Be the Good is all about people doing good in the world while following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I'm Kate Cherichello, and welcome to today's episode. If you are enjoying these stories, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much. You can also join our Facebook community under the group title, Be the Good with Kate Cherichello. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. On today's episode of Be the Good, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Susie Hicks, more commonly known possibly as Susie Hicks Climate Chick, which I just love. And she is a powerhouse of a climate advocate. Susie's an educator. She's a kid's media maker, having recently finished a pilot that I can't wait to hear more about. She's a mentor for climate reality leaders, an environmental justice warrior, and that's not even the half of it. Overall, Susie is so passionate for climate activism, and it is just second to none. So Susie, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. (laughs) Oh, great. Well, I'd love to hand it over to you Tell me who you are and what you do in your own words. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Susie and I um, recently I've been thinking more about, you know, the way to introduce myself. Uh, so I make uh, climate media and education. That's pretty much the way that I've done it uh, recently on my resume as I apply for internships and jobs after my semester ends. So uh, what I do is, is I work kind of in a Venn diagram of three interdisciplines where I work in climate science. So right now I'm at uh, Columbia studying climate science full-time all day in and out studying like the atmosphere and the way that climate modeling works and and how we can manage and adapt to climate change and learning all the really good hard science. And then the other part of the Venn diagram is media and entertainment. So I went to uh, my undergrad, I went to college for entertainment. So I come from a theater background. I've done TV, I've done film. um, And that's where like my heart lies. And that's where I what I love to do. So um, entertainment, media, performing, all of that is where I come from. And then the third Venn diagram is education, because everything that I do and everything that I make is uh, to create educational opportunities for people, be it for climate or for, you know, self-love, mental health. A lot of the the projects that I've done and a lot of the um, the places that I found myself have been in an educational role. So um, in my life, I've worked as a camp counselor. I've worked as a preschool teacher. I've worked on TV teaching. Um, and right now uh, I work with teachers and, and I work uh, creating curriculum and making different materials for people to learn about the climate a little bit easier. So uh, that's what I do. I love anything and everything that has to do with um, the environment, with learning about climate change. I don't love climate change itself because it's bad, but um, I love uh, creating community around it and getting people involved who thought that they didn't have a voice, but they absolutely do because we all do. So that's pretty much what I do and who I am. And I have a pet uh, pet tortoise who actually was lost until like literally three minutes ago, but we found him (laughs) in the room. Um, I was about to text you and be like, Kate, I'm so sorry. I have to be late. My tortoise is missing, but then we found him. So he's fine. Um, but yeah, he keeps me on my toes and, <laughs> and I live in New York and, and that's pretty much my life right now. Fantastic. You know, I really appreciate your description of the Venn diagrams that gave such a great visual. 
Uh, I feel like almost everyone who has been on this podcast is a multi-hyphenate in some way. And that word is such like a buzzword now, right? And you are in so many different places, but yet they do. They all converge. They are all over the same, under the same umbrella and you described it so well. So awesome. I love it. Tell us more about your path to this position. I know you have an entertainment background. Yeah, this is, whenever anyone is like, is your path linear? I'm like, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Abs- this, I think, I feel like my path has been so nonlinear and it continues to be completely nonlinear. Right now, I'm, um, as a part of my grad program, I have to have an internship over the summer and it has just been driving me insane because I'm like, which inter- like discipline do I want to focus on this summer? Do I want to go? do hard science and work in the field? Do I want to go teach at a school or do I want to go, you know, work for a radio station or work for a TV company? Because I, I could do any of those things, but I haven't decided which one to dive into yet. Um, and so my path continues to be nonlinear, um, which is really fun. And I've worked a lot in public media and a lot of public media people will agree that if you're in this kind of interdisciplinary career, you have to be subscribed to too many email newsletters and you have to beat <laughs> imposter syndrome off with a stick, which I do every day. So um, yeah, my path was very, very nonlinear. Um, I, growing up, I was fully a hundred percent into theater and performing and, and, you know, arts of all kinds. So uh, worked at a theater when I was younger, interned at theaters, was on stage, off stage, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, and very much thought that was going to be my career forever. Um, but then going to college, I, um, when I was applying, I was, I would, I have this really distinct memory that I was talking to an admissions person at, at like a college fair when I was in high school. And I said, I'm really interested in environmental science and theater. And I got like laughed out of the room by everyone. And so I thought that these things had to be completely separate and that I could never merge the two. Um, So I went to school for entertainment business. I was in a lot of theater and I actually, when I was in college was really dedicated to mental health advocacy. So my climate journey has always been a part of who I am. Uh, My parents were huge advocates too. And and I grew up always with this, this kind of deep like intrinsic love for nature and and need to take care of it but when I was growing up I absolutely bought into the like individual action narrative that was really pushed in the early 2000s and so when I was a kid in the early 2000s I thought that if I recycled if I turned off the lights and if if I composted everything was going to be fine and so you know my my journey into activism didn't really start until I was in college um, when I, uh, I had just produced, um, a whole arts festival about mental health. So we, um, we did like a charity walk for suicide prevention and then did a multi-day festival about, um, artists expressing their journey with their mental illness. So we had a film festival, we had a music festival, a theater festival, a comedy festival. It was, it was a lot of fun. And that was very much my my niche. And, and that's, that's where I like really found my voice as a producer and as, as an artist and as a leader um, in community building was with um, collegiate mental health and mental illness. But then kind of on a whim, I uh, applied to an internship at the New England Aquarium. I went to school in Boston and was like, ha that'd be fun. And 
I had initially applied for a marketing internship, but then an education internship opened up and in the interview, they were like, oh, are you interested in any other positions? And I randomly off the bat said, yeah, I'm totally interested in the education internship because it was asking for either hard biology students or drama students. And I loved that I, as the like intersection between all of those things. I loved that. And I, somehow I ended up getting the internship. I had no experience, um, but they just thought I was like fun. So they gave me an internship and I spent the whole summer learning about the ocean, um, talking about the ocean, building my own presentations. It was like the most fun I've ever had in my life. And it was such a random thing that got me to be like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because I was performing every day in front of like hundreds and thousands of people that were coming to the aquarium. I was teaching them about the ways that we can conserve the ocean. I got to write my own presentations. I got to work with turtles who were like my favorite animals ever. And it was like truly the best summer of my life. And going out of that experience, I was like, this is what I want to do forever. Um, so then when I was in school, I went to school for, um, you know, the arts. So I went to this art school that had all of these resources. And since I had just created this arts festival, I knew what I had at my disposal. Um, so I peer pressured one of my friends to pitch a TV show with me. And then we ended up having a TV show for my whole senior year of college, which was called Susie Hicks, the science chick, which was a college humor level uh, show about sustainability. So it was about how to throw a party without having single-use plastics. It was about how to talk to your conservative uncle at dinner about climate change. Um, we had a parody band called Susie and the Fact Checkers, and it very much was like a collegiate version of what I wanted to do with my life. And so that was really eye-opening to me, and I was like, okay, I want to make media about the environment. This is weird. This is really niche. And I remember one of my, my roommates who is now like a very prolific journalist who like always knew what she wanted to do. She always knew she wanted to be a journalist. She was like, what do you want it? And I was like, educational, environmental media. And she was like, all right, good luck. And so then when I graduated, I watched the Mr. Rogers documentary, lost my mind over it, realized that yet again was what I wanted to do. Um, I worked at the NPR station in Boston for a summer, fell in love with public media, even though I already was a radio DJ, I was already like super in love with it. Um, and then I decided to move to LA and immediately got a job at the PBS station there doing like nighttime events, like twice a month, could not pay my rent, worked at a restaurant. Um, and then somehow through a connection with someone that I did theater with in New Jersey, I landed a, um, a personality role at a live streaming company. And so for most of 2019, from like February to November of 2019, I was on camera five days a week, five hours a day, no breaks, live streaming on uh, a show. But the caveat, so while I was getting hired, they were like, all right, you are a personality um, I was like, yeah, I do a lot of hosting personality work, but I also am really into science and I'm really into the environment. So a caveat to my, my contract was that I got to have my own science show once a week. And that was a two hour live improv show where I would pick a, a topic, learn as much as I could about it, and then just go. And because it was a live streaming service, like people could chat in 
and talk to me while I was doing it. It was, it was very much like Twitch where it would be live and then people would comment and, and come into the streams and everything. Uh, so for two hours a day, I had a morning show called Susie's Sunshine Stream where I would do kind of everything. It was like a big variety morning show. And then it was a video game streaming site. So two hours out of the day, I had to play video games, even though I had never touched a video game in my life. And then two hours once a week, I got to have a science show. So this was like such a good like training experience for being a performer because I was like nonstop in front of an audience. Even when I was like eating lunch, I was in front of an audience. So it was, it was really hard <laughs> and really exciting. Um, but I built this like little community of people that would tune into my show every day and, and they learned so much about science and the world. And there were so many like middle schoolers that would tune in that would be like, I feel like a nerd because I really like science, but you show me that science is really cool and that it can change the world. And so that was really fun. Um, and then in November of 2019, a job at PBS opened up full-time. So then I ended up taking that and I've been working at PBS quote unquote full-time since 2019. But since I got into grad school and went to grad school, I'm working there part-time. Um, but within all of that has been my uh, climate activist journey where, so I started in Boston, obviously creating this media, learning as much as I could. While I was in Los Angeles, I got really into uh, like boots on the ground climate activism. So I joined the Sunrise Movement, I joined Extinction Rebellion, um, and I was a part of the September 20th, 2019 climate strike. I ended up getting on the news. It was, it was a really wonderful experience. And so my life in LA was like every weekend I was either hiking or at a protest. Um, and so I got really invested in like local politics in local advocacy groups. And I started really feeling a part of something. Like I was a part of a change that was going to happen because I was, you know, like in February of 2020, before the pandemic, I was dressed in this huge red costume at the Hollywood sign protesting the Oscars because they weren't doing anything to address the climate crisis. And so I met the most wonderful people on earth who are fighting every day to make a difference. And in a place like LA, it was really important for me to find these kind of people because LA is so filled with people who are rightfully so chasing their dreams, but it sometimes can feel like there isn't a lot of community because people aren't there to live, they're there to grow. And so meeting the people that wanted to make LA a better place was a really important part for me to feel, you know, like I belonged somewhere and that I was like doing anything. So it was the first time I ever canvassed for a local elected official. It was the first time I ever phone banked. It was the first time I ever wrote postcards for um, local elections. And I, and now, even though I don't live there anymore, I feel so connected to the LA advocacy scene because these people are fighting tooth and nail to make LA a better place to live, both for the climate and for the people there. Um, so I started going to protests a lot. Um, and then also in 2019, I started working as a preschool teacher. I volunteered once a week to work at a preschool um, because I was frustrated that I wasn't teaching. Even though I was on camera, I, I wanted to have kind of the classroom experience of teaching. Um, so once a week I would go, uh, and I would, and, and the kids couldn't really say my full title, but Susie Hicks, the science chick, they just would be like, like really couldn't do it. And it was so cute. 
So my life in LA was going to work, being on camera all day, on Wednesdays, going to the preschool and doing my science show. And then on the weekends, either hiking or um, protesting. And I really felt so connected to everything. Um, and then in 2019, the head of the preschool was also teaching a class on children's book writing. And since I was volunteering at the program, she was like, you know what, take my class as a thank you for, you know, pre teaching for free, essentially. And so I ended up taking her class and I wrote a kid's book about one of my students who told me that she was the queen of nature. And so I had been wanting to write a kid's book for a while about environmental activism for youth. Um, and I was just kind of going to make up a main character. But then one of my students literally told me point blank to my face that she was the queen of nature. And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> and so her mom, the head of the preschool and I work together to create this book called Zana the Great and the Giant Plastic Monster. And it's this rhyme book. It's completely rhyming, like very Dr. Susie. That's all about um, a little girl who discovers a giant ocean monster that's made out of plastic. Um, and she uses her science inquiry skills and she uses um, the power of friendship to figure out how the monster got there and the ways that they can get rid of the monster. Um, and so it's a really fun book and we finished writing it in 2019 and then, uh, and then March, 2020 happened. So a lot changed when the pandemic hit. Um, so I was working full-time at PBS in person and then doing educational workshops for kids all over California. And so like three days before we were in lockdown, I was at the Ducks Anaheim, Anaheim station with like 6,000 children doing a lesson on circuits and then boom, online, everything. And so I'm really grateful to have been in the job that I was when the pandemic hit because PBS SoCal and KCET ended up being a huge part of the education system during the pandemic for LA because all of the schools were going online, all of the, um, all the schools didn't know what to do. And so the superintendent of LAUSD had a meeting with our CEO and said, hey, can we collaborate together to make the TV be a part of the school? And so for the first couple of weeks of the pandemic, we were just, it was like all day and night, just figuring out lessons that, put, that we can put on the TV, episodes that would work with the LAUSD schedule, um, and then I was in charge of the Instagram stories. And so every day I was making a different activity to do on Instagram. Um, so the, the Instagram users that watched PBS SoCal would like have something to do with their kids during the pandemic. And so we were doing that. And then we started doing a, a program where we would pack backpacks for kids across LA that didn't have access to, you know, any resources at home because you know, when you go to school they have the markers, they have the scissors, but then when you're not at school and you don't have a lot of income, you don't have the markers and you don't have the scissors. So we were packing backpacks every week to send out to, you know, local boys and girls clubs, uh, the LA family housing. Um, and then I was also running webinars for teachers of how to, how to use PBS resources to teach online. Um, because yet again, this was a brand new world for education. And so being a public media, uh, you know, media station, a TV station, an education station, we had the, like the equipment 
both mentally and physically to teach remotely because that's what TV it, it, it is. It's teaching remotely. Um, so we got the materials out to families and then I started doing webinars every week of saying, here's all the things you can use. Here's PBS learning media. Here's PBS for parents. Here's PBS SoCal. Here is the way that you can use all of these things. Um, and so I would do that once a week. And then also once a week, I would do a webinar on like a specific topic, like how to do science learning at home, how to do math learning at home, how to do literacy learning at home, um, social emotional learning in the pandemic, how to make sure that we're still helping our children learn and grow during that. Um, and so that became my huge role at PBS SoCal was these webinars. And then halfway through 2020, I realized that teachers were also getting really burnt out because it's a literally insane time to be a teacher. So then we created um, teacher happy hours so that once a, once a month, teachers could come on Zoom. There's no professional development. They just hang out. I ask them like a question that's like, what's your favorite childhood memory? And then I put them in breakout rooms and they just bond. And then we do an activity together that's like Pictionary or we did Zumba together for the end of it. And then I send them home with a gift card and a gift home. They're already home. It's on Zoom. But uh, I send them home with resources and we're like, here, please take it. And so I learned kind of the value of A, community building and B, mutual aid through working at PBS um, during the pandemic of saying public media has such power to do public good it's like all the time, regardless of a pandemic, but especially in a pandemic, because we have these, you know, resources to create fun, engaging learning activities at home. But then we also are an education nonprofit. So we have the ability to provide mutual aid. We ended up giving a lot of iPads to people that were, that didn't have access to the internet. We would give hotspots. We would give these things called PBS playtime pads, which are basically like PBS branded iPads and, and basically whatever our partners asked, we, we gave because we had the resources to do that. And so that was a huge part of my 2020 slash up to the present. Um, and then I applied to grad school because I realized that if I wanted to, you know, continue making media about climate change that I, um, would need to have a little bit more credibility in terms of talking about climate change because I had an arts background. Um, so while I was applying to grad school and while I was still working, I got really involved with the Sunrise Movement, which is an advocacy org uh, that you know mobilizes for a Green New Deal that helps American politics move more towards um, climate action. So what I did for them is that in 2020, I joined the podcast team and I ended up helping them produce a couple episodes of a podcast. That was right around when George Floyd was murdered. So we had a podcast of environmental racism and environmental justice. Um, we had Leah Thomas of Intersectional Environmentalist on, and then we had a person on who uh, had done really amazing mutual aid work during all of the protests in LA. Um, and then we also did an episode about how COVID and the climate crisis are interconnected. And then later on in 2021, I was on a project that was a documentary project that um, we used ArcGIS story mapping. Um, and we mapped where all of the oil wells are in Los Angeles County. And spoiler alert, there's 
a ton because LA is on the largest urban oil field in the country. And so there's so many oil wells all over the place and they're really bad for public health. And obviously they're really bad for the climate. Um, so we made a map that showed where all of the oil wells are. And then on top of that, we filmed a documentary interviewing the people that lived there. So we interviewed this amazing 19 year old activist named Nayeli who grew up and had uh, so many health issues because she lived across the street from a gas facility. We interviewed people that had created um, a lot of advocacy, advocacy orgs about gas and oil wells and how they've been affected. So we did this like multimedia project about it. And then that got posted in early 2021. Um, and then I published my book, which is very fun. Uh, and that ended up happening at the end of 2020. So Zane of the Great is available for purchase. I'm actually working on curriculum right now to, you know, help teachers teach it in their classrooms. And then uh, I got into grad school, which is very fun. And I realized I was leaving LA. And yet again, my dream was to make a kids TV show. So um, in uh, mid, early mid 2021, I gathered a scrappy group of friends together. We wrote this pilot. Um, we found a guy to make us a puppet. We shot it in one weekend with very low budget. My, all of my friends just stepped up in such beautiful ways. I have pictures of my friends like lying on the ground, holding up a puppet, like without even holding their own heads up. Um, and we interviewed amazing people from across LA that are doing advocacy work. So we, um, we've, we're in contact with uh, Tongva Elder, who is an indigenous leader in the area. We talked to an urban gardener who has been transforming South LA with all of the amazing urban gardening programs that he is. And then we talked to two 15 year old climate activists that have planned most of the protests that I've gone to and talked about how youth have voice. And so a lot of what I do in my work is, is just showing youth a what's happening in a way that's not horrifying. And it's, it's kind of like a healthy intervention point and B that they can do something about it and see that they can peer pressure their parents to do something about it. Um, so we did that. And then uh, by the end, of, I was pretty burnt out. So then I took the summer off and I went backpacking in Alaska, which was really fun and very hard. And then I started grad school in September. I just finished semester one. Hopefully I got good grades. I don't know what my grades are yet. Um, and I've just been working on editing the pilot and pitching it out to people, hopefully getting some interest and selling my book. And I have a research job right now through uh, Columbia that's about creating curriculum for local and New York City schools about climate change, which is like awesome. <laughs> so Right now I'm on winter break. I have done nothing for the last couple of weeks and uh, I'm just starting to get back to my email and like do things again. But I think, I think that's it. <laughs> but yes, so, that's So Susie, I feel like half of my brain is going, I'm speechless, I'm speechless. <laughs> and the other half I feel like is going, I have so many questions. <laughs> Go for it. I'm, I'm here for it all. Things. Wow. Okay. First of all, where can we get your book? Is it on all of the platforms? Bookshops? Right now, right now we're in our like initial selling phase. So oh, yes. it's just on the website. It's zainathegreat.com. Um, we'll and I, I only have like 20 copies left before we sell out of our initial thing. And then nice. once we sell out and I like finish the curriculum, make the website look really nice. That's when we're going to start pitching it to like stores and stuff. But Hopefully that'll be done. Amazing. And 
how did you connect with the New York City school system to incorporate this work with their curriculums? So that is a part of Columbia's, um, oh my God, it's the IRI and it's the International Research Institute for Climate and Society. And so they have created kind of the relationships with everyone in New York. And then my job is to make the curriculum really fun, which is awesome. Uh, so I make videos for it. Yeah. I make PowerPoints, I make presentations, and then I make nice looking worksheets that teachers can use that are really easy to um, use in their classroom. So that's, that's my job is to make it look nice. <laughs> Love it. That is the fun part. <laughs> totally. Spoken from a kid who always had a craft going um, for sure. The um, next question, wait, wait, where did it, it was in my brain. Oh, PBS in SoCal. So I'm obsessed with how you had this collaboration with them. It, was that specific to that station? Did they end up starting to do it in other stations or, or is it pretty much each has their own, each like affiliate does their own thing? That is an amazing question. And I love, I love that question so much. So all of the PBS stations, there's like hundreds across the country. And so all of the PBS stations, we all communicate and we all collaborate. So some programs are different, like, like Vegas PBS has its own approach to learning and, and PBS SoCal, but specifically in the pandemic, PBS SoCal and KQED, which is the San Francisco station, they collaborated to make this thing called at-home learning. And then okay. almost like so many other stations ended up adopting it. So it, it started with us and then it moved to all the other stations, which was awesome. So it was, it was very cool that, that it, it became like this, this nationwide thing, but the webinars and the happy hours specifically are still only PBS SoCal, but I have a couple of meetings in the next couple of, of months to see if, if other stations are interested in doing uh, the same thing. But yeah, it would be cool if they, if they also had happy hours because our community of teachers is, it means literally everything to me. I ended up getting COVID for Christmas and so I couldn't come home and I was like stuck in my apartment and my teachers from my happy hour and from my webinars, they like asked me for my address like months ago and they ended up sending me this like beautiful gift and, and it was the only thing I had to open for Christmas. And I love, Ooh. I love my teachers <laughs> so much. So yeah, I think they're the best ever. But yes, I would love it if, yeah. if they, if it became like a bigger than PBS so probably. It's just so incredible how you've created, you've made these relationships all over the country. And I, that is so cool. What you've started with PBS that now is gonna continue to spread. That is so awesome. And I mean, that's just one facet of everything you do. Do you ever sleep? I've, I've been sleeping too much recently. I mean, I think it's because I'm, I'm burnt out and I've been like on winter break, but I've, it's honestly been a problem. I've been sleeping 12 hours a night, like every night <laughs> since November. It. So yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. But well, I'm normally I get like eight to 10 hours of sleep. So. Oh, that's good though. I'm glad you're giving it. Cause that's huge. PSA, yeah. we need sleep, right? Oh, okay. One other question here is where can we watch the college humor version of the science show it's on youtube it if is you search, yeah it's it's unabashedly on youtube oh, i don't like so promote it because it was like i was in college and it's really dumb but it's <laughs> if you just search Susie hicks a science trick it's there it's Def there okay um on my to-do list i love it <laughs> hey Susie, you've given us so many examples of the good you're doing are there any specific stories you'd like to share with an individual 
individual you've interacted with that would, you know, just has filled your heart over the years? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the person that we interviewed for the Sunrise Movement podcast in June of 2020. Her name is Yaslin and I actually ended up going, I was in college with her, but I found her again through Sunrise. Uh, she was just a person who is grieving the loss of George Floyd and then all of the protests started happening in LA and she realized that, you know, we're protesting in the middle of a pandemic and no one has seen each other in a really long time. And so she realized that we needed to send out like mutual aid to the protesters. So like water bottles, snacks, first aid kits, hard hats, because we saw what was happening with the police across the country. So hard hats, just in case, um, like things to wipe off your face if you got tear gassed um, and masks and, and PPE and hand sanitizer. And so she ended up raising, I think it was like $12,000 in like two days or something, like something insane. And then her and a bunch of her friends just asked people if they wanted to, to distribute mutual aid throughout the city. Um, and I ended up being one of those people. I just brought like a little wagon from PBS. Thanks PBS for giving me this little wagon. It was my like work workshop wagon that I had in my house, but um, I ended up just bringing this wagon. She just filled it with like snacks, water bottles, masks, PPE, you know, like pamphlets on what to do if you get arrested. Um, and then just sent us out into the crowd. And, and it was amazing. And I, I went by myself to the giant protest in LA and just like people that didn't have masks were like, oh my God, thank you so much. And then there was this one girl that was like, I haven't changed my mask in three months. And I was like, that's so gross here, take a new one. Um, and, and it was really beautiful just to be like, we are here to help you make a change. And, and I think that's so much of what I wanna do as an, as an advocate is to give people the tools that they need in order to see that they can make change. So if that means I'm handing you a water bottle during a hot day on a protest, I'm doing that. If that means I'm giving you the number of your local representative to call, I'm doing that. If that means showing you how to farm via TV, like that's, you know, it's so I think what Yaslin did specifically in channeling her grief and her and her pain and not knowing what to do into something that was like tangible, people could get involved and give money. And she was helping directly. Like, I think that's just that's what I want to do. And so whenever I'm, I'm frustrated or I'm feeling like what I'm doing isn't mattering, I think of the way that Yaslin just mobilized her, her anguish into something that was really helpful. So that's an example of someone that did something good. And I'm, uh, I'm very proud of her. I think, well, you're, there's incredible people in this world and both of you are certainly high on that list. My goodness. Hey, Susie, are there any quotes or uh, mantras you find yourself repeating? throughout your work? Yeah, totally. Um, so I have this quote from Charlie Chaplin in my room that just says, you have to believe in yourself. That's the secret. Um, because yet again, in the work I do, I battle imposter syndrome every day. Like every day I wake up and be like, nope, what I'm doing exists and it's valuable instead of being like, this is stupid. I should just stop. Um, so believing in yourself is really really important. And then I've been reading this book called All We Can Save, which is this just spectacular, spectacular book that's written all by 
femme and female climate activists about climate feminism and, and hope and how we can keep moving. Um, and this one quote has really just stuck with me recently. Um, it's by Ayanna Elizabeth Johnson and Catherine K. Wilkinson. And it says, without knowing the outcome, we have to try anyway, without a single guarantee, we must show up. Um, and with climate activism, we don't know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to hit the target. We don't know if we can get the people to do what they will, but we're going to fight like hell anyway. So I love that quote because it's like, keep going, even if, you know, you don't have the guarantee of success. That's fantastic. Susie, I am so just in awe for so many reasons, but like, even just from going from the fact that at, in college you went, I can do both of these things. Like I have these loves that don't even seem to intersect, but I'm going to find a way to put them together. And I actually got such a great reminder for people too. And just how, like you just said, every bit counts, right? You're going to forge ahead and make that difference in any way you can. And you're an incredible example for everyone. So thank you for all that you're doing. It's absolutely mind blowing. <laughs> and and Susie, how can we all follow you and follow the pilot and file, follow your educational resources? There's so much, there's so much learning to be had. Tell us all of it. Oh my God. Thank you, Kate. This is so kind. And I love what you're doing too. I think this podcast is an amazing way to show people all of the different ways that you can make a change. So I think you are doing the work as well, which is amazing. Oh, well, um, thank you. You can go to zainathegreat.com. It's Zaina with a B. So it's Z-A-Y-N-A-B, the great, the B silent, um, dot com. And then um, we're on Instagram, Zaina the Great. And then I, my main channel right now is Instagram. I'm not really great at posting on it, but I'm doing my best. Uh, it's Susie Hicks, Climate Chick. Um, and then my Twitter is The Climate Chick. And then... Um, yeah, that's it. I've, I've been doing a, a new series recently uh, called The Climate Syllabus, where once, once a month I post things that you can watch, read, listen to, and do to increase your knowledge of climate justice. So that's where I post that on Instagram. Um, and then hopefully <laughs> the pilot will be made into a TV show. We don't know. <laughs> that would be great. Yes. Okay, fingers crossed. Susie, thank you so much. Thank you, Kate. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for listening to Be The Good with Kate Cherichello. Whether you're listening on YouTube or via podcast, it would mean the world if you liked, subscribed, and or left a review. You heard about the good? Now go out and be the good in your life this week. If you have stories of good news that need to be shared, please send me a message. Thanks again and have a great week.